0: I'm Katie Prejean-McGrady, and this is Ave Explores. As we've been working our way through these conversations about healing, so far sitting down with a number of wonderful people who have shared so beautifully, so vulnerably, about their own journeys of healing, giving us insights into kind of the perspective that I think we have to have if we want to set out on a journey of healing. I, I was really struck by a couple of things that, we heard in the past few episodes with Dr. Bob Schutz talking to us about how the, the journey of healing is, is kind of being able to look back on where you've been and talk about it from start to finish. Father Sean Kilcali opening up about his own wounds, about his own struggles, especially with regards to his family. Regina Boyd talking to us about that sense of identity and self-worth and how sometimes we struggle in the healing journey because we think perhaps we aren't worthy of being healed. This week, as we sit down with a couple of incredibly talented experts in their fields, Roy Pettifee and Sister Josephine Garrett, you know their conversations this week build upon what we've heard so far from our guests. Today, I wanted to sit down with, with Roy Pettifee, who works specifically in the area of counseling, especially with young people, and pick his brain a bit about how when we seek out healing whether it's healing for ourselves or perhaps parents who are setting out on a healing journey with their children, especially teenagers, especially teenagers who have been struggling in the past few years with the COVID pandemic and lockdowns. One of the things that I really wanted to dig into with Roy was how our healing journey, which can sometimes be a real struggle, our healing journey is one that starts to reveal to us how we've gradually perhaps become disconnected. And we realize this lack of connection needs to be fixed. And so the healing journey is attempting to kind of put those relationships back together. Maybe the relationship with a parent, the relationship with a friend, the relationship with a spouse, the relationship with a coworker, And how healing helps us start to realize, okay, these are the things that I've lost that I want to restore. And here are the things... That maybe I need to let go of in the first place, you know, years ago, at the very beginning of Ave Explorers, we did a series on mental health, and we we talked to Roy, and I very vividly remember you can scroll back in the feed and find that episode. I mean it's it's from it's from twenty 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 In that conversation, Roy and I both talked about how sometimes in our in our lives we we cling to perhaps that thing that we're struggling with, you know, in my case, it'd be anxiety. We cling to our anxiety because it's familiar and it's comfortable and I know what to expect when I'm experiencing anxiety. And so the process of healing, and he said this in 2020 and he he said this in the conversation that you're about to hear, the process of healing is starting to kind of vulnerably share, okay, this is what I'm holding on to. This is what I need to release. This is what I need to reach out for. This is what I need to receive. And especially guided by our faith, especially guided by our love of Jesus Christ, we start to connect this healing journey with Jesus. Now, that's a a very winding road intro into this conversation that I'm about to have with Roy. But one of the things I'm always struck by every single time I sit down with Roy, and Roy is a dear friend. I've known him for years. I've I've worked with him in a variety of different contexts, and, and sitting down and interviewing him is always my favorite way to work with him. One of the things that Roy is able to share is his own journey of healing which, of course, informs the way that he cares for his patients and talks about healing as a professional. That's really what I think is kind of the secret sauce of this healing series, which I hope you've been enjoying over the past couple of weeks, that we're sitting down with these experts, we're talking about the journey of healing, and we're talking about their journeys of healing. And we're, we're sharing the practicals, but we're also sharing the personal. All of this, of course, part of our Ave Explorers series. You can find it all over at our website, avemariapress.com. Click on the top and you'll find all of our free resources, articles, deep dive conversations with our guests in written form, as well as, of course, links to all of our various podcasts. You can also subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify. This conversation with Roy is one of the best we've had, and I hope you really enjoy how we dig into healing as a reconnection within our lives, as an opportunity, hopefully, to release our expectations and to see the good that God wants to do for us. Roy Pettifee, welcome back to Ave Explorers.
1: Awesome. Thanks for having me, Katie. Great to be with you.
0: It's great to see you. You're just up the road. I feel like we probably should have like tried to do this in person, but my house is a mess right now, and that's where I
1: record. <laughs> I, got, I got you. I got you. Um, how have you been? How are things? I've been good. I've been good. You know, I've kind of done a tour of all the covids and um, <laughs> every I version. Can, you know, I've had them all. Had them all. I'm like a test case. I'm waiting for the CDC to call me and go, "Hey, <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I'm glad." You know, school's back in session and um, the work just gets more interesting. And as a counselor, I, I'm good. I'm good. Busy mm-hmm. but good.
0: I, I busy but good. When a counselor says it, on the one hand, I'm like good. Like Roy has work. On the other yeah. hand, it's like, oh gosh, like how many people are actually in crisis and are going to therapy these days? Yeah. What where, where, The last time we talked was our mental health series. And we did like a reboot of the mental health series a few weeks into COVID. And so now here we are two years, two and a half years later, when this airs like, like well, well beyond those initial days. And the healing conversations yeah. that we've been having with folks, practitioners, people who have healing stories themselves have been wide and varied. And, and we wanted to bring you on to talk about a couple of things. And I'm, I'm scaffolding our conversation so folks know that we're going to approach this. I think especially it can be very delicate to talk about our own healing journeys, but moms and dads hearing about what their their children might need in a healing journey can sometimes be really tough too. What are you seeing? I mean, in that office every day, as young people are coming to you, as parents are picking up the phone and saying something's going on, what are we noticing trend-wise in these young people need healing?
1: Yeah, I think we're seeing a lot of lagging Covid indicators, mm-hmm. and meaning just meaning that people are coming in with symptoms of anxiety and depression. And the causes are, you know, always multifaceted and gen- generally speaking, but that the folks are are feeling like they should be someplace that they're that they're not. Mm. and they're feeling like everyone else is someplace that they're not and that we're still not fully reconnected, you know. Mm -hmm. And one can make an argument about how connected we were or weren't before COVID. But the reality is that for a lot of people experienced a lot of disconnection, teens, teens especially. And, you know, they're getting back in and, you know, you've got kids who struggle with school. And so the shift to go online was a struggle for them. The shift going back into brick and mortar is a struggle for them. Mm -hmm. And again, this is my work in Louisiana. I'm familiar a little bit with what therapists are seeing, you know, around the country because the we all did it differently. Yeah. You, know, um, you know, in California, they were out for a year and a half. Mm-hmm. We were out for about four months and right. school kind of went right back in here. You so said, you, anxiety, depression, yeah. self-harm, substance use were all things that kind of, you know, blew up during COVID. And you'd
0: say the base of it is that you said the word almost triggers me for a second disconnect because yeah. we did like, I don't think any of us had realized, I, I don't want this to turn into a, let's reflect on the trauma of, of the past <laughs> two and a half years, <laughs> but I don't think any of us realized how deeply we need human connection mm. until we didn't have it. And, and I'm seeing it in little kids. I, you know, I have friends who had children in the fall of 2019 who then had major language delays a year out because they weren't interacting with, with kids or like Rose. And I've talked about this in other episodes. She, she had a little bit of social anxiety and going back to school. I think the hurricanes probably factored into some of that as well because Mm -hmm. she cries when Mm -hmm. it rains. So we have to work on that. But like all of these things, two years later are starting to arrive in the way we behave in the way we interact with people in the way we, well, I got used to disconnection. So why would I try to foster these connections again? The word healing is loaded because it's been co-opted within secular society, but it, it lives, I think within the church's approach to healing the whole person Yeah, and that like, yeah, we want your mental health to be good, but also we want your spirit to be good. We want your Mm -hmm. relationships to be whole Mm -hmm. and restored. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's the jump I want to make. How do we get from a place of disconnect, especially in young people to restoration,
1: which is how the healing
0: journey begins?
1: Yeah love that you know, and it is the Paschal mystery you know we go we we experience separation, we experience deconnect, disconnect, and then we 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 try to you know come back to reconnection and 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 restoration and you know the good news is is that we 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 compartmentalize these aspects of the human person to talk about right and mm-hmm. they're there, but we we need to make distinctions in order to be able to talk about them, but the good news is is that that they kind of all come along line together and they're all interrelated and affect each other. So the spiritual healing. And again, I want, I'm always careful about saying this, but I like saying what's true, knowing that it will be misunderstood and feed a real problematic misunderstanding of spirituality and mental health, but, but spiritual healing does produce healing and mental health. And Mm -hmm. it can, that is not to say that you can pray away depression. Right. Or, or 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 should only rely on prayer forward to prayer. You wouldn't pray away a heart attack, you know, or, or open heart surgery. You know, you'd do both, right? So I feel like those things, when they're happening in a holistic, healthy way, you know, they each affect one another. So physical healing can can bring about spiritual healing and mm-hmm. emotional healing. But you know, the practical piece is, is to help teens experience connection. At the most practical, immediate levels in their life, so mm-hmm. where they they might be experiencing disconnection at school or even in a you know, in the, wherever their friend group is, right? But to be able to one as best we can in the family, reestablish and experience to reconnect. And the research bears out that those those kids and the families who had real strong connection bonds did the best throughout Covid. Mm-hmm. Those kids did great but where the those bonds were weaker and a little more frayed within the family, they didn't do quite as well. So to be able to, to strengthen those, mm-hmm. to be able to have, you know, get into micro conversations, especially with teenagers, parents can do those types of things. So I think that that's important. Have kids focus on one friend. Okay, I know you're back. You know, where, who, who are you experiencing some connection from? And what teens will say is it's not enough. It's, you know, I really want that best friend and I may not have it. And they tend to minimize and downplay what they do have. Mm-hmm. So I think those, those types of connections are, are so important. And the work that 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 you and I have done and supported for, you know, 20, 30 years now, youth ministry is, is so pivotal because one of the things, one of the positive side effects, and sometimes it's intentional in youth ministry and in ministry in general, is that we helped people reconnect with themselves. Mm-hmm. And if we do believe that God is indwelling within us, then when I connect with myself, i'm I'm also connecting with God. And vice versa. When I connect with God authentically, I'm experiencing a connection within myself, and I feel less lonely. It's one of the primary roles of religion and 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 mental health in that it, it aside from a moral moral clorox that it it helps us feel connected with ourselves and with God. so those are. Those are key. And those we saw fall away for a Mm -hmm. bunch of different reasons during COVID as well. So a lot of kids who had religious support and were getting that, you know, both in school and at church, uh, lost that during Mm -hmm. COVID.
0: You said something in, in that we have to almost kind of remind, I think what happens in journeys of healing, whether it's the first therapy session, whether it's just like day one admitting Okay, I need to do something, like something's not right, something's not the way it needs to be. There's I'm triggered by this or that particular thing. I'm just, you know, blatantly unhappy, whatever it happens to be. Is we we tend to immediately go into Bob Shoot said in one of his interviews with us this season that when we're wounded and and we've experienced mm-hmm. trauma, we begin to live in the reality of that wound. And everything is colored Mm. by that. So if you Mm. have a wound of abandonment, you then begin to believe that everybody's going to leave you. If you have a a wound of, I mean, name it, Mm. right? A wound of some sort of abuse, Mm. you obviously, you know, maybe physical touch or contact will never, like it could never be good again, right? Like whatever it happens to be. And so we live in the reality of that wound and we want to get to this place of healing, Mm -hmm. which allows us to look back on the wound and see it for what it is, but recognize those were lies building within me. And I think teenagers, and this is from my like very not professional perspective, just knowing teens and talking to teens across the country, teenagers began to, I think, kind of believe this, this lie, which might have had some truth to it that like, oh, well, we're expendable. Like everything else in the world Mm. is going to continue turning. But like my senior year doesn't matter Mm. or my freshman year in college doesn't matter or like my mom and dad I'm self-sufficient I have a phone like I'll figure out this whole e-learning thing and yet like we really needed to treat them like kindergartners because it was right. brand new.
1: That's right. And so I That's think right.
0: a lot of young people are dealing with that wound of I don't matter. And it was high they're already dealing with that. It's heightened by what happened in COVID, it's amplified by constantly comparing ourselves on social media. And so we have to step in and and a healing attempt, moms and dads, mental health practitioners, people who work in ministry, just the educator who's passing out the quiz, like even the substitute has to step in. And I think some of the healing journey, maybe I'm wrong here, can begin by just speaking some truth over those lies. And then that can kind of lead to this, okay, the wound is not gushing blood. And so there's a bandaid. And so now I can actually address it once there's a scab. I think a lot of parents are going to listen to this and be like, okay, that sounds great. Uh, how do I do that? Like, do I just like sit my kid down and be like, "We love you, and we're sorry that we failed in all these different ways,"
1: right? Uh, like, how? Those are how Magic do we do that? words. Those are just beautiful words that I want you to know that Roy and Mindy Pedafe spoke, and I'm going to try not. Uh-huh. You know, the biggest parenting mistake we made, you know, was keeping our boys home. You know, we pulled them out of school that they had both been in for years. Mindy is an on. she's an executive now in the K-12, which Mm -hmm. is called Stride now. And so she's a a veteran online teacher. And we were unsure where it was going to go with COVID and if they were going to be in and out of schools and the schools were trying to, they were trying to do, well, at least the Catholic schools that our kids were in, they were working as hard as they could, Mm -hmm. but they're trying to come on to this online education platform that they had, Mindy and them worked those problems out like 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. And And so we kept them home and through the, within three to four months, we just watched them both go into this isolation and depression Mm -hmm. and it was just like, it was, it was, it was, it was, we felt guilty and we sat them down multiple times and said, you know, we made a, we made a really bad decision here and uh, we should have caught this. We, if we should have caught it and seen some of the depression mm-hmm. that both boys were experiencing during that time sooner. Wish we had gotten them into counseling a little bit sooner. It wasn't severe, right? It wasn't right. severe, but it, it was there, you know, and I believe in therapy. So, mm-hmm. you know, we got them in. But, but but to apologize and say, look, wish I could have done better and and, and even ask, say, how can I... What, how can I do a better job mm-hmm. as a mom? How can I do a better job as a dad? And you're going to get some things maybe that you're just like, yeah, whatever, I'm not doing that. But you might get one that really helps. And that's that's so powerful mm-hmm. for parents to be able to do that. We feel like we're giving our power away and that we're leaving the parent role when we apologize. But mm-hmm. in fact, what we're doing is we're we're giving our kids a real powerful modeling of how to be a humble, you know, parent who leads and 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 to own their own imperfections. Yeah. yeah it helps I mean, them to be able to do that.
0: It's vulnerable and nobody really likes oh, to be the healing absolutely. process like seeking oh, healing oh. wanting to create a scar. Yeah, you're you you expose <laughs> your wounds and so Wide everybody open. I think we turn inward so that like you you turn inward and hide and then eventually there's a turning mm. inward and an expose and then there's a turning inward expose what's there let somebody speak truth and begin to right. patch things up so that we can then look outward because we know who yes. we truly are inwardly. And that's right. I think you said Paschal mystery, right? Like it's, it's a, mm-hmm. it's a return. It's an entrance into a tomb so that we can resurrect. That's right. You know, it's not going to happen in three days, that's for right. of it, but so that and there can be inevitable. some sort of a growth. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And it's inevitable. I mean, we don't have to search for it. You know, that's uh, the cross will be present in our lives Mm -hmm. and not everyone's going to have, you know, really severe wounds that absolutely need, you know, a therapeutic intervention and sometimes even some medicinal interventions Mm -hmm. because the trauma shuts the brain down and affects the hard wiring of the brain so powerfully. But a lot of folks don't need counseling, Mm -hmm. but do and And religion, healthy religion, can be very healing for a lot a lot of folks because it does open it up if mm-hmm. I can spend time in silence. and and, you know, we our language for it in Catholicism is, you know, um offering that up and yeah. and being able to ask God for healing in that.
0: I hope you're enjoying this conversation with Roy Peettifi. I know I certainly enjoyed having it with him. We wanted to take a moment and tell you about this week's sponsor. The Live Liturgically family brand, which sits under Catholic concepts, is really striving to bring beauty into the family by way of the rhythms of the church. And when we realize the beauty of the connection between church and family life, when that's lived together, we realize it's a complement. It builds up and reinforces our faith within the home. The joy of the family of the church is brought into the family that we have within our homes bringing peace to the house especially with these products that are trying to bring order and intentionality the flagship product is the liturgical family wall planner i use it with my family it helps us live with purpose my favorite thing about it as somebody who has much of my day kind of planned out to the minute In my trusty iCal on my iPhone. The beauty of this family wall planner, ours hangs up on our refrigerator right next to the coffee pot, which you know I'm going to frequently throughout the day. Up at the top is this beautiful, memorable quote from the Sunday Gospel. There's a space to write out our gratitude list, our prayer intentions, where we can meal plan. It gives us a reminder of the liturgical week, a color for the current church season, a list of the national holidays, and most importantly, the Catholic feast days. There's a little color circle every day to indicate the liturgical color of the day. There's a place for me to write our grocery list, our to-do list, a place to plan when we're going to go to Sunday Mass. Lots of free space to write down notes. We use it for everything from when is soccer practice to what time is the soccer game to what are we having for dinner tonight to when are the babysitters going to come by and give us a bit of a break. We love it. And this is coming from someone who never uses paper planners, but I use this one because my whole family is able to use it. You can find out more over at liveliturgically.com. And they've given us a discount code, Ave Explore Katie. The link is down in the show notes A V E E X P L O R E K A T I E. Gets you 10% off your order. It's really a wonderful family of products. And the family wall planner is something, again, I use it every single day. This is not just an ad for a podcast. I'm telling you, I love this product. I've posted about this product on my social media before. I really think you're going to appreciate using it. So check it out over at LiveLiturgically.com. They're our sponsor for today's episode. All right, let's get back to this conversation with Roy Pettifree. The sacramental life, it it lends itself to experiencing healing. I mean, the, the very act of stepping into a small room and telling somebody all the things that we've done wrong, which is objectively a very displeasing thing, is somehow it ends up being incredibly therapeutic and healing because you absolutely it's real. It's like writing something on a calendar. Okay, now it's real. Now this birthday party no, is happening on this day and we have to make sure Gotta people know it. about it. Why do people That's resist right. this then? Like if we're sitting here and being like, it's the best thing ever, even though it's really, really hard. It's yeah. carrying your cross, which is super heavy, but then you arrive at this moment of resurrection. Mm-hmm. There's still, I think, a lot of resistance. As much mm-hmm. as we want healing, we want to get to the other side of it and check it off the yeah. list, even though- That's right surprise, it's an ongoing process. Even if you're, you know, you've arrived at a place where you can look back on the woundedness and know it's no longer actively bleeding. That's there's right. still this great resistance. And I I wonder sometimes, I think back to a, a student I had my sophomore year. I say my sophomore year, I was my second year of teaching and a parent came to us, like the whole teaching team of this particular kid. And there was mm-hmm. like, was a lot of learning struggles, a lot of social struggles. Like this kid was just really struggling And had started to self-harm. And so the whole teaching team basically told his family, we are behind you 100%. Like this student can continue to do her work if she goes into an inpatient program. Like like, none of us here are going to Mm -hmm. stop her education because she clearly needs to fix this thing before she can successfully have a a high school year. And I remember the mom and dad looking at us and being like, oh no, not our kid. Like, no, no, not our kid. And it's like, we are all telling you, we have watched her hurt herself. We are all telling you, you came to us and we're like confused about why she's failing everything. I think there's this stigma. There's always a stigma. Yeah. It is breaking some because healing is such a popular buzzy word right now. Like everybody wants to be healed. How, how do we encourage one, a young person to recognize, okay, there's something going on. But then two parents to kind of get over themselves at times and be like, this is something that my kid needs help with. This is if I, I would get them glasses, if they couldn't see, like, I, yeah. I, you know, I need to help them on this right. healing journey. Is it because they probably need healing themselves?
1: Yeah. And I think it's especially, yes, uh, sometimes that's the case. I think it's especially hard for Catholic parents and mm-hmm. Christian parents. I do. Because I think that they feel like in addition to this kind of more secular ethos of a moral failing that your non-religious parent might feel, because especially moms, right? Because like, I'm supposed to be able to do it. Like I, not, not a whole lot of dads go, well, I'm supposed to be perfect. But every mom I've met, like, it's like mm-hmm. it's like this need, you know, there's this expectation, internal expectation. But for religious folks, it's like, well, clearly we're doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, clearly, you know, we haven't been open to grace and like, you know, and, and so it's just like, oh, and there's so much, you know, this has been a real, the last, you know, couple of years with COVID for me has been so healing for me. It's important for me to be a good Catholic. It's no longer important for me that other people think Roy Pettifys is a good Catholic. Mm. And for so long, I can't tell you how much it crushed me. And I was so worried, not just about what people thought of me, but, but, mm-hmm. but specifically that, well, I'm, I'm, I'm a good Catholic. And when that is my preoccupation, then I'm going to make decisions about my own health, my family's health, and I'm going to make decisions. So if I'm worried that people around me are going to feel like I'm not a good Catholic because I need therapy or my kids need therapy, then I'm I'm going to hold off on that. Mm. And so we as church, I think, need to continue to destigmatize that and work to destigmatize it. In fact, In fact, what therapists think, and again, of course, is when you walk in and come in the door like, all right. Now we're talking because mm-hmm. everyone's got, everyone's got stuff. The courageous people come in here or go to spiritual direction or some sort of process mm-hmm. where they begin, you know, work doing some sort of inner work. And, yeah. and, and so that's real powerful. And if parents could, a lot of times parents can recognize the signs of a kid being in distress. And if they could then say, Hey, do you want to go to counseling? I think that would be yeah. And even to plant the seed and let kids know who are doing great. Hey, if you're ever struggling, just mm-hmm. let me know.
0: I, you know, as Catholics, as, as Christians, we say by his wounds, we are healed. We don't say by Jesus's right. bicep, we are healed. <laughs> like we say by his wounds, <laughs> that's right. we are that's healed. Exactly and yet for whatever what reason, that. it's, oh no, our wounds could never, ever be <laughs> yeah. healed. Right. And it's no. like, our, how arrogant do we have no. to be to assume that we don't need it? Yeah, I do think right. there's also this fear of – we sat down with Heather Kim. She's the last episode of our season, and, and she said mm. people are – it's scary. Like it's really scary to dig up our stuff. It's just much easier yeah, to push it, it, it down. There's a John Mulaney joke. Like we're all secretly Irish where we just hold it in and push it down, and then one day we die. And like <laughs> and like that can lead to – it can be such a – it perpetuates, right? There's a generational mm-hmm. component to it. There was no a – question. There was a bi- – not a biography, an obituary – in the Lake Charles newspaper last week, and the title of the obituary was Drunk Craig. And these this two daughters wrote an obituary about their father sharing how his alcoholism had ruined their family. And that when sober Craig was around, he was the best dad and the best grandfather mm. and the hardest worker. But when drunk Craig got a hold of a bottle, he was cruel and vindictive mm. and abusive. Mm-hmm. And then they wrote in like the last paragraph the reason they were sharing this was because they know that there are other people out there who never did what their father did, which was go to an AA meeting or seek out any sort of help. Yeah. And they learn of course the story that his dad had done the same thing. And so they wanted the cycle to end with them. And I, I it yeah. went viral on Facebook here in town and I probably viral, like in other parts of the world about this, this guy and these, these daughters. And, and on the one hand I was like, mm, we don't air the dirty laundry like that. Like that's a, that's a big, bold step. But then yeah. on the other hand, like right. they, they were being so drastic because Healing had never been found. And so they acted in such a way, kind of dramatically being like, we need it. And so it's almost like there's these extremes. We either like we run from it or like we seek it in the most public of ways. And I feel like Catholicism is finding balance between those two things. Yeah. I'm kind of rambling at this point, but I want to use this as a lead-in to, well, go ahead, please, please.
1: No, 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 continue. I was going to use it.
0: We all have these stories, right? And we all have these moments where we run from it, where we can talk about it very practically and professionally. I I remember our conversation years ago on that first mental health series where you and I both said, like, I kind of like my anxiety. Like, I at least know what it feels (laughs) like, and I know how to kind of control it. And there are other things in life that I can't control. I'd love it if you'd share with us a bit of your healing journey and specifically how, like, maybe your journey of healing in different parts of your life, because it's always an ongoing process, Mm -hmm. has led to wanting to work specifically with teenagers, which is a challenging group to work with because of those components of the disconnect and moms and dads that are sometimes resistant or moms and dads that are kind of controlling in the healing process. How did, how did those things kind of factor into creating the Roy LPC, but also the Roy, the dad, the husband, uh, Mm. you know, the, the person who exists in faith.
1: Yeah, for sure. So, you know, I just, the, the shortened version for me, I'm on a real destabilizing healing journey right now. Mm -hmm. But I, I I always feel, and that's the, you don't give the testimony when you're on the operating table, Mm -hmm. you know, the testimony, you know, comes, comes afterward. So, but I can talk about one that, you know, when I was a kid, just real brief, son of a single mom, Mm -hmm. poor, turned to food, was, was really obese, ate away, loneliness, anger, fear, and was bullied a bit, like quite a bit in in high school. And so I just, I just always had this image of myself. And one of the things that neglect does is that, you know, you don't think you're abusing, but when there's neglect, because my mom was always working, I was like, I'm poor, fat, stupid, worthless. And for me, the healing journey, you know, I had left church and didn't go back until my sophomore year of college because I was dragged there by friends and and just met this priest and uh, a group of people at the the Catholic Student Center at UL who just were everything you would you would hope people would be, you know, when it comes to Christ and it's loving and it was accepting and it was encouraging. And then I would work with the priest and he was kind of like a father figure to me that that I never had. And I'm sure I was needy and it was messy. But we began like he began visiting with me and those were kind of like. Little low key counseling sessions, mm-hmm. and then you know one day he offered to pay for me to go see a counselor and to work with a nutritionist, and covered mm-hmm. me to be able to go to a health club, and because I just couldn't have done it, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have gotten there. I didn't have the resources to get me financial or knowledge. Like mm-hmm. Who would, and this was this was in 1995. You know yeah. we knew a lot more today, and that began a journey of you know, my weight began to come off. I began mm-hmm. to to realize that I am lovable. Mm-hmm. And so I think just having a safe place to be able to talk about it. Yeah, uh, healing was, takes was incredibly help. helpful. Yeah, and look, when, me, when I went to marry my wife, I couldn't pull the trigger. Like I just couldn't propose. Mm-hmm. And it was six counseling sessions working with my therapist in 2000. And that fear, these were my childhood wounds were like, oh my gosh, I don't even know how to be a husband. I never saw my mom get married. Mm-hmm. You know, what if I'm going to be like a deadbeat dad, like my dad? And in those counseling sessions, it got really deep in the year 2000. And I had to go to found my dad's grave and had a real spiritual experience there that was incredibly healing. Mm-hmm. And it opened me up. And I was like, three days later, I proposed to Mindy. That, that was to me, a, a real pivotal moment. And I think that's when I was like, okay, I want to be a therapist. Yeah. Like I knew that I wanted to work with teens and I had been in schools as a campus minister mm-hmm. because that was my whole life. Mm-hmm. I feel like, yeah.
0: I love that. You know, th- you said there's this wound and it, it was, it was rooted in in parents there and not there and it all yeah. it reminds me as a mom, which you know, everybody has their wounds. I had incredible parents and and still everybody has their wounds and still has to kind of dig through things. But you you're not just doing it for yourself. Yes, in a professional capacity, you Roy sit in a room and are able to counsel young people, but you're also a dad. And so like yeah. you wanna it's 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 creating Absolutely. legacy. If if hurt people can hurt people. I've said this every episode. If hurt people can hurt people, Amen. healed people can be a source of healing in the world. Amen. And it generationally Amen. can change things. It can change our Amen. church because we're not just operating out of a hurt wound. And it's, right. it's very humbling.
1: And it is. It's incredibly humbling. And man, I continue to do my inner work because kids trigger things in us. If you've yeah. got childhood wounds, I Ooh. guarantee you, your kids are going to, going to trigger it. And I've got this, you know, one of them for me was, you know, I grew up poor, mm-hmm. like really, really poor and we're pretty affluent. My wife and I both have, have good jobs and we are able to provide the, and I re, I was resenting my son for mm-hmm. the stuff that we afforded him right to have. And I was like, Whoa, okay. Yeah take just that to the therapy room. Yeah. Boom. Absolutely. Let's process that. Yeah. Let's process I,
0: that. I was reading a gentle parenting book, which I think gentle parenting is trash sometimes. And it's just, you, gotta put, <laughs> you just got to put your shoes on. Like, we're not going to talk about our feelings, just tie your shoes. Um, but then sometimes can also be like, okay, she's upset. I'm not going to send her away. Cause I don't want her to think that every time mm-hmm. you're upset, nobody wants to be around you. Like your feelings are valid. And let's talk about those That's things. Right. Not That's when it right. comes to shoes, just put your shoes on. But like, yep. and, 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 realized that like, I don't think it's anything anybody in my life did on purpose, but I like distinctly remember in the nineties, everybody just stops, stop crying. Like suck it up was the phrase of parenting. And like my parents have since apologized to me for that. Like we've had conversations about that and to where it's like, okay, I'm never going to, I don't want to be the parent who looks at my kid and just says, you shouldn't be upset about this because clearly they are. And so Mm -hmm. I need to, I need to dig into why. Mm -hmm. And, and hopefully that establishes a new legacy in her someday as a, as a wife and mom, if that's what the Lord calls her to. But man,
1: is it hard? Like it's just, oh, it's so hard. It's just such a process. (laughs) It's so hard, you know. Ben was like at a—he's in eighth grade—and they had their school mass yesterday, and he was reading. And like, we just found out about it yesterday morning. I'm like, oh, crud! Okay, gotta juggle the whole day.
0: Figure out how to get there. Um,
1: yeah, I'm gonna get in there. Thank goodness it was reading one. You know, early in the mass, I could still get gone. And like, we stood in the back of the church, and he didn't see us. But boy, I made sure he knew we were there. Oh, yeah. And that—that's important to him. That's you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's not to every kid it's, and that's part no. of the art of parenting. It's mm-hmm. figuring out what are the love buttons that, you know, that you push that your kid receives love from that. Mm-hmm. What are their love languages? You know, to use mm-hmm. Gary Chapman's phrase, but
0: yeah, oh no, it's, there's so much, you actually have a podcast that you dig into all of this and we're going to plug it at the end. I, we ask sure. every guest uh, one question to kind of wrap up our series this year. Mm-hmm. and, and as if you could go back to Roy day one, maybe when you walked into that priest's office for the first time and, and started to kind of dig into these things, or even like in the midst of an ongoing healing journey currently, if you could go back to your begin, yourself at the beginning of that journey and talk to Roy in those first mm-hmm. few moments and give a piece of advice, knowing what you know now, knowing how that journey kind of looks, what would that piece of advice be?
1: That's pretty easy for me. Mm-hmm. I would say absolutely stick with it. Mm-hmm. It's, it was not fast going. Early on, I would say, I would say, stick with it. I would tell myself, I know you're scared and I know this is scary. And even the counseling, my my abandonment wounds were so, so strong, still are there, but so strong. Like I just was like, oh, anything the priest or the therapist did that just looked like I didn't have unconditional positive regard, I would freak out. But to say, stick with it. It's going to feel really, really scary. Mm-hmm. But on the other side of this is a life that you can't even begin to imagine mm-hmm. how rich it is. But, but I would just tell myself to stick with it and keep going to therapy. And I'm one of those people for whom therapy works really well. I'm a verbal processor. So mm-hmm. my brain moves and works better when my mouth is moving and that gets me into trouble speaking because sometimes <laughs> I'm speaking in public and I got to think things through and I should have just <laughs> discussed Pulled that back. with someone else <laughs> and not done therapy on the stage, but it's good for me. And I think for, but there's lots of different modalities of counseling now mm-hmm. that, you know, this horse therapy, wolf therapy, you know, this whole also art therapy, music therapy, mm-hmm. yeah, all kinds of ways to get in and, that, that don't involve you having to talk necessarily.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Roy, thank you so much for sharing your insights. You have a podcast, you do Facebook lives, do. you provide yep. counseling in Lafayette, Louisiana, where can yep. folks yep. find you uh, yep. hire you to come speak about these issues, which you could totally go much more into depth with.
1: Yeah, I would just say the best way to find me, I think my website is currently down at the moment. But, you know, my email is RoyPedefeast at PaxRenewalCenter.com. I mean, RoyPedefeast at yahoo.com. And that'd probably be the best way to, you know, to reach me or go to our website, PaxRenewalCenter.com.
0: We're going to link all of it, including your excellent Thank you. book. I think we actually thanks. have a discount code on all of our... We have a lot of Ave authors on this series because awesome. we've invested very much in the mental health realm. Roy, thanks so much for taking awesome. the time.
1: Thank you. Thank you, my friend.
0: You know, I mentioned it in the intro to the show. I'm really quite grateful that Roy shared with us his own story of healing. That's that's what I wanted to do this season. I didn't want this just to be a another recap of our mental health series which we did years ago and you can find on our Ave Maria Press website. I wanted this to be let's let's sit down and have conversations together about the true path of healing from your professional perspective, but but your own journey, your own story. I I still remember the first time I ever heard Roy speak in a professional capacity. I'd known him kind of off and on for years, and we'd actually been at a couple of events together, but we'd always been speaking at the same time. So neither one of us was ever able to actually hear the other speak. And I remember him giving a keynote. It was in San Antonio, Texas, in the December of, of 2014. And he spoke so beautifully. He was speaking to a room full of youth ministers and young adult ministers and teachers. And he talked about... And I still remember it, this need for authentic connection in order to be able to share the gospel. And I think that theme runs through a lot of what Roy says, what a lot of his work kind of leads to, especially in his counseling practice, and was certainly present in this conversation that you just heard, how our healing journey is about restoring these authentic connections, that an encounter with Jesus Christ, a healing encounter with Jesus Christ, leads us to a deeper understanding of the connection He wants to have with us, of the the vulnerability it takes to step forward in faith, and say, "I want to be healed." To reach out, I mean, I, I, a lot of the conversations that I've, I've had this season, I keep going back to the woman who's hemorrhaging, and how she reaches out to say, essentially, "I want to, I want to be well." Nothing else has worked. I want to be well, and this is how I'm going to do it. And when we enter into our woundedness, you know, by his wounds, we are healed. When we enter into our woundedness and we see the wounds of Jesus Christ, we realize that this transformation of of healing, this arrival at a place to understand, okay, this is, this is what I need to do. This is what Jesus Christ needs to do within me. That is the most vulnerable thing we can do. That is an experience of the paschal mystery that is a a recognition of oh wow this is what god wants to give me this is what god wants to do in my life this is how god wants to transform my life am i willing to go on that journey and i think roy does a really beautiful job of of sharing that with us you can find out more about roy like he said over on social media or on his website You could even if you happen to live in louisiana possibly schedule a counseling session with him all those links are down in the show notes We'd love it, by the way, if you would sign up for our weekly emails that go along with this series. We give you a bit more insight into our various podcast guests over on the website with some written content. We'd love it if you'd subscribe to this show, give it a rating, give it a review. We're always grateful when you share it with other people. These conversations have been truly life-giving to me. I know they're going to be incredibly life-giving to you as well. Check it all out. Get more of our excellent Ave Explorers content over at AveMariaPress.com. We'll be back later this week with another wonderful conversation with Sister Josephine Garrett about healing within the family. Don't miss anything. Subscribe today and stay up to date with all of our excellent Ave Explores content. We're so glad you were with us this week. We'll see you real soon. This show is a production of the Spoke Street Media Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, visit spokestreet.com.